the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And on today's program, a conversation with Dr. Claibon Lee Jr., Senior Pastor of Mount Calvary Baptist Church of Fairfield and Sassoon City. Dr. Lee, a pleasure to have you with us today. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to. It is a rare opportunity to um, talk with a pastor who leads a church that has such an incredible spiritual legacy. I understand, in fact, it was your father, Dr. Claibon Lee Sr., who first founded the church back in the 1950s. Walk us through some of the history of the impact of this church and ministry in your part of the Bay Area, if you would, please. God led my father, Reverend Cleveland Lee Sr., to uh, embark upon planting a church along with a group of other believers uh, that wanted a church in the community. And here we are 60 years later celebrating Uh, the faithfulness and the goodness of God building on a firm foundation that uh, my father and our founder laid for us. And as a result of that solid foundation, uh, the church is still standing through, uh, through wars and through um, viruses and through economic downturns and through uh, banking system failures and all of the vicissitudes of life, uh, the church still stands. And that's what Jesus promised in Matthew 16 and 18, that upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So you literally as a PK, as a pastor's kid, grew up not only in the church, but in this church specifically. And I would imagine going back through your memory down through a good portion of all of these years, you must have seen some tremendous changes, not only in terms of changes within the body of Christ and the life of of your local church, but as well as some pretty significant changes in the neighborhood and the area in which you minister. Absolutely. Uh, Demographics have certainly changed um i was literally born in the church uh from almost from a physical perspective uh being the pastor's uh, child and then was born again and accepted jesus christ at the age of 12 in this church i accepted my call to preach the gospel at age 16 in this church um and was ordained at 18 in this church um to uh, be a minister of the gospel. I haven't lived here uh, all of my life. I left after high school and went away to college and seminary and worked on staff at another church, uh, pastored another church on the East Coast, um, earned my first doctorate degree, and then eventually came back home maybe 15 years um, after my initial departure. And so just coming back after being gone for that time allowed me to see a lot of Uh, transition, a lot of growth in the area, in the cities um, that our church now exists in, uh, a lot of changing in demographics um, in terms of uh, ethnic makeup and um, economy and business opportunities and things of that nature, um, and then church climate 
as well in church culture. Um, comparing the East Coast to the West Coast uh, has been interesting as well, having pastored now on both coasts. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing the church today? And certainly, as I alluded to in my opening remarks, uh, there's a lot going on in the world of news and in society and culture around us today. Certainly, the influence of things like social media has had a big impact. We've also seen a population in the United States that over the 60 years since uh, Mount Calvary has been around uh, has changed dramatically, not only demographically, as you suggest, Dr. Lee, but, but also in terms of just the makeup. In other words, we tend to to be far more mobile than we used to be. There was a time when generations, two and three generations worth, all lived very close together, if not maybe even in the same household. Today, oftentimes, kids grow up never really knowing their grandparents, and I, I wonder if there is some degree to which some of that disconnectivity of the family is having maybe a, a bit of a negative impact on young people growing up today. Well, you just you just said and asked a lot there, Craig. Um, probably much more than I can fully capture in a response. Um, one of the there are multiple challenges that the church faces today, uh, too innumerable uh, for us to discuss in in the time that we have allotted. Um, one of, one of the challenges of the church fundamentally is for the church to be the church. That is for the church to remain. Uh, distinctive from any other organization, any other entity in the entire world. Uh, the church, uh, by definition, the ecclesia in the Greek is the called out community. And uh, the pervasiveness of the current cultural climate um, is challenging for the church to the extent in which, in some respects, uh, the church in the 21st century in America now finds itself in a similar context to that of the early church in the first century where people are basically uh, living the way they want to live, doing what they want to do. Um, God may or may not be uh, significant for them in their lives. Uh, yes, families are being impacted by any number of things these days. And uh, the global pandemic that we've just uh, begun to come through um, with COVID-19 has certainly thrust the church into a new hybrid existence. Whereas the church um, pre-COVID historically had been a church that you drive to, that you go to physically, um, and that was the only option. The global pandemic has thrust the church into a more hybrid existence where people now have the option, thanks to technology, to be able to attend church in person or to be able to attend church virtually. And in some respects, that's been great, particularly through the pandemic, when we were having to shelter in place. Uh, people did not have to be totally disconnected, even though they were dislocated, so to speak. Um, they were still able to be connected to church. They were still able to be fed the gospel. They were still able to worship. They were still able to have Bible study. And in some instances, even still able to have small groups coming through the pandemic. Now our challenge is twofold. One, to get those that can physically attend church to return to church as they had 
pre-pandemic. And then secondly, for us to learn how to disciple people virtually who may not be able to ever uh, set foot in the local church. For example, our church now is uh, viewed every week in about 40 countries, maybe a little bit more around the world. And so uh, they faithfully attend virtually. And then there are others uh, within the United States who have been drawn to our ministry that because of their geographical location, um, our church is inaccessible to them from a physical perspective. So a part of the challenge of the post-pandemic church is how do we disciple people virtually that will never daunt the doors of our church physically? And I could go on and on about the challenges of the church um, during this time. I'll just throw this in for free. Um, we have to really be careful that we do not allow social distancing during the pandemic to be perpetuated into social distancing post-pandemic. Valid point, because after all, when we talk about the core of the gospel, it's all relational. I mean, after yes. all, God desired to walk in relationship with his creation so much so that he provided his son as the ultimate sacrifice that would pay the penalty on our behalf that in Christ we could be forgiven reconciled and then walk in relationship and so to your point dr lee i think the notion that sometimes we we've certainly found technology to be extremely helpful during the height of the pandemic but should never allow that to um, how should we say drive a wedge in our coming together because that that intimacy that relationship side of what we do that that is so central to the very gospel message itself i think sometimes can be can be harmful if we sort of use uh, the convenience shall we say of uh, being able to attend church virtually as a means of separating us and i think i think the enemy in some respects can can that can be not only used as a tool to the benefit of the gospel during the times of pandemic but i wonder if it also can be used as a detriment to the church if we use that as an excuse to not gather together or not be in that kind of covenant relationship with Christ, obviously, first and foremost, but also then that relationship with one another. Absolutely. I would agree um, that we do have to be very vigilant um, and be very intentional about understanding who we are as human beings and who we are as the church. A human beings were made for fellowship. And so when when God created the entire world and all of the animals, um, those that would fly, those that would walk, those that would swim. And then God looked around, decided to make man. And once he made man, he said, uh, I don't need man to be alone. So I need to make sure I make a woman. And humanity has always lived from the Garden of Eden in some form of fellowship and community. And when we become a part of the church, we become a part of the covenant community. Those who are bound together by a common bond in Jesus Christ, irrespective of their own personal and familial backgrounds, ethnicities, cultures, it's Jesus Christ that binds us together where we're able to find commonality with one another. And one of the glaring things that the pandemic exposed was how critical fellowship is to the life of the body of Christ. It's just like uh, your body cannot exist uh, properly, healthily, or at all 
if you are dismembered. So if you imagine a body that is dismembered where all of its parts are scattered, they are no good on their own. They are at their best when they are all together. And one of the staples of the early church that made the church so powerful in the book of Acts and beyond is that they gathered together on a daily basis, on a regular basis to share in fellowship one with another. It's great to be able to worship by yourself and you should have a personal devotional life. You should have a personal worship uh, with God on a daily basis, but there is nothing like worshiping in person together with other people. In the black church tradition, the old deacons would often pray um, for God to allow the spirit to move from heart to heart and from breast to breast. As a youngster, I didn't fully comprehend that. As the, the years have gone by and all the more through the pandemic time of separation, I now appreciate those prayers from those old deacons more than ever before, because there is something that is palpable about worshiping with other believers. And you feel the spirit of God moving from one person to another person connected together by the spirit and transformed by the spirit. And then sometimes it can just be a hello. It can be a good morning. It could be a handshake. It can be an embrace. It might be in the restroom. It might be in the hallway. It might be in the sanctuary. It might be in the parking lot, wherever it may be. There is something that is infectious and there is something that is energizing about fellowshipping with other brothers and sisters. And undoubtedly, as we mentioned a moment ago, central to the gospel message is reconciliation and relationship and the two really need to walk hand in hand our conversation today with dr claybon lee jr senior pastor of mount calvary baptist church of fairfield and sassoon city a brief time out back to more of our dialogue in just a moment and now back to lifeline with craig roberts Welcome back to the conversation. We're visiting today with Dr. Claybon Lee Jr., Senior Pastor of Mount Calvary Baptist Church of Fairfield and Sassoon City. Dr. Lee, I'd like to return to our discussion just prior to the break. Now, you used a word a moment ago, Dr. Lee, that I want to have you perhaps elaborate on. You used the term distinctive. And I'm wondering if maybe one of the challenges that the church has been facing of lately, and, and this comes across in, in many arenas and many sectors, we've certainly seen it as part of the impact of, of the pandemic. I think we've also seen it in our communities in terms of the wedge that the enemy can use from a political standpoint and also even from a racial standpoint. And that is that another D word has crept in and that is distracted. And I'm wondering if the enemy is using some of these issues to keep us distracted. And as we are distracted, we fail to be distinctive. And, you know, the gospel is very clear. We're the called out ones, right? We are new creatures in Christ Jesus, who we are in our relationship with God and who we ought to be collectively as the body of Christ is that thing that makes us distinctive that ought to say to a lost and dying world, these people have something that I don't have. I need to investigate this. But do we run the risk of watering down and causing the gospel to be of none effect if we allow the enemy to come in and distract us? Wow. Again, you keep asking uh, very, very voluminous questions that beg for voluminous answers. 
that we don't have time for, but allow me as succinctly as possible to respond to that. Um, any tool and tactic that the enemy, the devil uses against the church, against the people of God, is designed ultimately to divide and destroy. So whether it is a distraction or whether it is a diversion, any other word that you would choose to use, the enemy seeks to ultimately divide us. When the enemy is able to divide us, the enemy is able to isolate us and weaken us because just as uh, you, you have a hand with five fingers, you need all of those fingers to be able to come together for the hand to be at its optimal strength. And so the enemy wants to to weaken the church and dilute its strength and dilute its witness in order that he may ultimately destroy it so that others will look at the church and rather than being attracted to it, they are offended uh, uh, to the extent of which by what they see doesn't represent Jesus Christ. And so that's where we have to be so careful. Um, and in this age of political and racial and social um, upheaval and division, one of the things that is hurting the church witness uh, significantly is the division of the church along any of those lines, whether it be racial, whether it be uh, political, whether it be social, that when we cannot see Jesus as Jesus is presented in the Gospels, and see the church as it is presented in Acts and in the epistles, um, inclusive of the book of Revelation, then we end up misrepresenting Jesus Christ. We end up presenting an image of Christ that is distorted. It's there, but it's distorted. And there's nothing that can destroy the gospel, but if the enemy can just make people question the gospel, then the enemy is gaining uh, territory that we are giving up. Not that the enemy is so powerful. The enemy is not more powerful than Christ or the church. And so even when you look in Ephesians chapter six, and it talks about putting on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The idea is, is that the only way the devil can gain ground is if the church gives up ground. And so when we, when we don't see eye to eye on matters of justice, when we don't see eye to eye on matters of compassion, when we don't see eye to eye on matters of forgiveness and reconciliation, when we don't see eye to eye on accountability, uh, when we allow um, our political party um, and we allow our own uh, predispositions and prejudices and anything else to taint and color um, what the Gospels present in Jesus, then we are presenting a distorted image of Jesus Christ. So, for example, um, irrespective of one's regard for uh, the police department, which I happen to respect uh, greatly and believe that we need the police in our country, um, the church should have been unequivocally united when George Floyd lost his life as a result of a police officer having his knee on George Floyd's neck so long that he literally could not breathe and literally died in the street. Now, it doesn't matter what your race is. You could be Hispanic, you could be Asian, you could be Caucasian, you could be African-American, uh, you could be Indian. It doesn't matter what your 
what your ethnicity is, if you're a Christian, you should have been very offended that this happened, irrespective of your um, support of the police department. In this instance, this was absolutely wrong. But the church was not united across ethnic lines in at least acknowledging this travesty and tragedy that happened in plain sight in the streets of our country as a result of a police officer abusing his authority. He had a right to, to you know, to do what he did in terms of arresting whatever the reasons were. We won't go get into the historicity of all of that. We'll just get to the bottom line that the church should have been united on that. There's some things that we should be united on. And we have to be careful. And I'll say this, Craig, um, at the risk of offending some people, we have to be careful as the church about lifting our American flag above the cross of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we end up with a nationalism that is what Walter Brueggemann, Old Testament uh, Hebrew scholar, would call jingoistic theology. That is where we use Jesus Christ to justify our nationalistic preferences. And so we have to be very, very careful that the cross is above everything and everyone, that the Bible is above everything and everyone, that we stand under the cross, that we stand under the authority of Scripture, and irrespective of our political party, irrespective of our social status, irrespective of our economic status, irrespective of any other factors, that we all submit to the cross of Christ and to the word of God as Jesus Christ is presented in the gospel. There's no way that anybody can convince me that Jesus would have been silent and would have condoned such an atrocious act as that which happened to George Floyd. And of course, there are too many for us to name uh, on many sides of injustices, oppression, uh, things that are not equitable um, and, and the like. But the church has been divided because in America, at least, similar to South Africa in its history, uh, but America's lo much longer in, in this regard, we've been divided along racial lines because of slavery. The, the, this, nation, this nation has been divided from the time that it became independent in 1776 before it even became a nation and broke away from England. This nation was already um, engaged in activities that were dehumanizing that were offensive to the very heart of God and and used Christianity and the Bible to justify evil. And, of course, that's the oldest trick in the book, right? I mean, the enemy has been doing that since day number one in the Garden of Eden. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's cast division and doubt. I mean, mm -hmm. the, 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 hath God said, right? I mean, right. Yes. And, yes. And of course, yes. using that then to manipulate people. And, you know, and it, and it begs a very important question, I think, Dr. Lee, because if you look at, for example, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a citizen of two worlds. He was a citizen of Rome, mm -hmm. but he was also a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. And he understood where his first priorities, his first allegiance lay. And, you know, I think of Christ, render unto Caesar what is Caesar. We're not told that we can't be a citizen of a nation here on earth. Correct. But be mindful of the fact that that 
that citizenship is temporary. It is fleeting. In the broader perspective of eternity, it is a blink of an eye. But our real citizenship is in heaven. And our first yes, and sir. foremost allegiance needs to be to Jesus, to the Lord, for the sake of the gospel. Our conversation today with Dr. Claibon Lee, Jr., Senior Pastor of Mount Calvary Baptist Church of Fairfield and Sassoon City. A brief time out back to more of our dialogue in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. We're visiting today with Dr. Claibon Lee, Jr., Senior Pastor of Mount Calvary Baptist Church of Fairfield and Sassoon City. Dr. Lee, let's pick up the conversation where we left off just a moment ago. Oftentimes, we allow the enemy to get us distracted on many of these points. We've failed to prioritize where our true first and foremost citizenship is. And then along with those lines, we'll hear people say, well, you know, what's going on there in that church? That's pretty offensive. And people will say, well, we're just being persecuted for our faith. Hey, hold on just a minute. The word itself says that the gospel is an offense to those who are perishing. The gospel, the truth of the gospel, God's judgment, God's righteousness is an offense to those that are perishing. But it doesn't say that we as Christians should be offensive, right? And yet, sadly, sometimes we get all that mixed up and we behave in such a fashion and we comport ourselves and we show our allegiances in a very backward fashion that is not in harmony with Scripture. And as a result, a lost and dying world looks at us and says, boy, those people are just downright offensive. And then they not only dismiss us, but then they dismiss the very message which we have been entrusted to share, the evangel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And maybe that's one of the biggest challenges facing the church today, that we have confused our alliances or our allegiances, and we have traded one truth for another truth, a falsehood. Yeah, and the ultimate truth is what we are bound to submit to. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall, shall make you free. And he is that truth. And so Jesus is our standard across the board. As citizens of the kingdom, we have to bow ultimately to our king. <laughs> and Jesus is that king. Let's talk a bit about what you're seeing going on in the San Francisco Bay Area, some of the challenges that you see facing our society today. Uh, certainly, as we alluded to earlier, uh, it, it is multifold. Not a day goes by that we don't hear uh, you know, rumors of wars and, and pestilence and on and on the list seems to go. And yet ultimately, of course, we know, as I mentioned earlier, that our time here on Earth is temporary. It's fleeting. And, and the, the real challenge ultimately before the church is to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Sometimes, though, we allow ourselves to become distracted. How do we get a sense of recentering, of, of refocusing back on what the true priorities ought to be, not only for the church collectively as the body of Christ, but then let's even narrow it down, if you can, Dr. Lee, in terms of how we ourselves need to get refocused, maybe to revitalize our relationship with Christ, to remember uh, that first love, as Paul spoke of. As we've come through this pandemic and are coming out of it, while we know COVID-19 still is uh, is lurking, um, it's, it's important that the church understand what God has done and what God is calling for, having used the pandemic. 
I believe that God used the pandemic to help the church to reset. And now that we are coming out of the pandemic, I believe that God is telling us that it's a time to rebuild and recommit. Um, our passion for Christ, uh, we've had, we have to recommit ourselves to that. Um, the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the, the world, is what Jesus says. He gives that commission to the church. And so we have to recommit ourselves to that. When a, when a church or any organization loses sight of its mission, then it loses sight of its raison d'etre, its reason for being. And the church has been given a commission by the Lord Jesus Christ to make sure that we tell people about him. And once people come to him, that we help them to grow in relationship with him. That is our mission as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, as we do that, we have to understand that that commission can never be fulfilled if we stay in our corner, <laughs> we have to go into the world. Go, therefore, he says, and make all, make disciples of all nations, of all ethnos, is the Greek word, all ethnicities, people of every um, ethnic background. It doesn't matter who they are. And in the Bay Area, as you know, Craig, um, you know, we are diverse in some respects, but then in other respects, um, gentrification is impacting our communities and is changing the demographics um, that we have known historically in our various church neighborhoods. And so having to make some adjustments um, to minister to who's around versus who used to be around is a challenge for the church, especially in a place like the Bay Area. Um, because now, for instance, our church, um, we have um, far more Hispanics in uh, certain pockets um, of our community around one of our campuses. And um, as a result of that, you know, we're being pushed to make sure that we can minister to that community. So when our evangelism and outreach team goes out into the community, uh, because we have a, a few um, native Hispanics um, in our congregation, uh, from Guatemala to Puerto Rico, and that's their first language. And so they go out with our team so that as we encounter Hispanic men, women, boys, and girls, that we are able to speak to them and minister to them um, in their language and understanding their culture so as to make sure that we introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. So being flexible and adaptable is very, very important for the church these days um, because the church that was is not the church that is. And so do we stop witnessing because the demographics of our community have changed? Do we stop engaging in outreach because the demographics of our community has changed because of gentrification and the like? No, we don't. We adjust, we adapt, and then we continue our commitment to the Great Commission. Our church does that not only through evangelism and outreach. We have a food pantry and a clothes closet where hundreds of families come through every single week in order to get food at no charge to them and are able to pick out uh, multiple articles of clothing that are very nice, that are barely worn or brand new, and they're able 
to experience those things. And sometimes it may be without a whole lot of conversation, but that is where we take advantage of the opportunity to uh, show Christ and not just speak Christ. (laughs) And so our evangelism and our witness uh, has to include what we say but what we do has to speak more loudly than what we say. And, and a lot of that, Doctor, go, goes to the heart of our attitude, does it not? And I, and I pose that question because some people would look at the changing demographics and say, oh, th- this is just a, a field too far. This is an enormous challenge. I don't know if we're outfitted for this. And yet, from another perspective, what an incredible opportunity that God has uniquely handed us in that the mission field used to be an airplane ride, a passport, learning another language in order to reach another tribe, another tongue, another culture. Today, it's right next door. It's it's opening the front door and saying, there is the mission field. And I'm struck by the notion of that, that idea of wanting to um, to be that salt and light and to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all that need it. And so while the demographics may have changed, certainly the need hasn't changed, and God's desire to not only see reconciliation happen between himself and his creation, but then to have relationship between himself and the creation through Jesus Christ. Well, that's the same today, yesterday, forever, right? God God and his word are unchanging, and the good news of the gospel is unchanging. While the circumstances might have changed, that just gives us an opportunity to be, be more reliant upon the Holy Spirit at the end of the day, doesn't it? Absolutely. George Bonner and other church sociologists have um, have said to us for years now, actually for a couple of decades, that uh, America has become the new mission field for the church. To your point, you know, it's no longer just simply flying somewhere to another country in order to go out on what we at one time called the mission field. Now, America has become the mission field because we have more nuns than ever before. Not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S. People that that do not identify at all with the faith. They are nuns, you know. Um, And as a result of that, um, the field is more ripe for harvest within America for us to share the good news of the gospel. And it should not matter. you know, what people's economic status is. It should not matter what people's ethnicity happens to be. Um, The need for the gospel is a need that exists within all of humanity. And so if there are any human beings that are within our reach, and there always are, then it's our responsibility to figure out ways to reach them and to help to grow them. Our conversation today with Dr. Claybon Lee, Jr., Senior Pastor of Mount Calvary Baptist Church of Fairfield and Sassoon City. A brief time out back to more of our dialogue in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. We're visiting today with Dr. Claybon Lee, Jr., Senior Pastor of Mount Calvary Baptist Church of Fairfield and Sassoon City. Dr. Lee, I'd like to return to our discussion just prior to the break. Now, is it a matter of availability? And I pose that question, uh, Dr. Lee, because oftentimes folks will say, well, Dr. Lee, I mean, he's got all of these degrees. He's studied. He's memorized scripture. He can get involved in solid Christian apologetics and really make a case for the cause of Christ. 
I, on the other hand, I, I practically flunked out of Sunday school. I don't do a good job at memorizing scripture. I feel intimidated, and, and so therefore I'm afraid to share my faith. Should it function like that, or are each and every one of us called to go out into the highways and byways and to make disciples? And, and maybe part of the issue here is a fundamental disconnect in not only our understanding of how the Holy Spirit works and operates, but maybe a, a failure in a sense that we're not in the Word the way that we should be. We're not praying the way we ought to be. We're not involved in, in community as we ought to be, as, as part of our, our discussion earlier um, today led off to, to, to emphasize. And so maybe part of the issue here is that we're kind of taking those in the church, the folks in the pews, taking the lazy way out as opposed to saying, look, I, no, I'm, I'm not all these things, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, God can speak in me and through me to reach others with the good news of the gospel in a similar fashion. And I think a lot of us forget, if we look at our own personal ter testimonies, many of us came to Christ through that very fashion. It, it wasn't because Billy Graham sat us down at a corner somewhere. It's because God used circumstances and people in our lives to, to show his love for us and to ultimately lead us to him. Most certainly. Um, I'll take us back to the Great Commission in Matthew 20, 28. 19 and 20 when jesus says go therefore make disciples first of all this is a commission that is not simply given to those that we know as jesus disciples i.e peter and andrew and james and john and matthew and all of those guys this was not limited to them this was a commission for every individual who has a saving encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. In addition to that, when Jesus says go, um, the, main dis the main verb in the Great Commission is make disciples. Go, baptize, and teach our participles. And that go really carries this idea in the Greek. As you are going, make disciples. Make disciples of whom? of all people, of all nations, of all ethnicities, right? Yes, when you introduce them to Christ, you're baptizing them, and then you're teaching them as you go. So the whole idea is of a mobile message. It's the idea that every person who's had an encounter with the master now has a mobile message that they can and should be willing to share wherever they go. So in the supermarket, you can speak to one, to someone, you know, on a particular aisle while you're picking up a particular item and you can share the gospel with them. And you don't have to have gone to Sunday school. You don't have to have gone to a Bible college or to a seminary or have an, a calling or a collar. <laughs> you simply are able to share the love of God through Jesus Christ based upon your personal experience and personal testimony is the most powerful witness that any individual can ever share. Because what people are going to experience is they're going to experience your passion. They're going to experience your testimony of the way your life was before Christ and what your life has become like since you met Christ. And that is going to be uh, arguably more powerful than me or any other pastor or any other evangelist standing up behind a podium telling people that they should accept Jesus Christ. It's that one-on-one -on -one 
that is going to really make the difference evangelistically. And at the end of the day, while many of us can argue that we do not have the entirety from Genesis to Revelation memorized, uh, I think there are two fundamental stories that we know. We know the story of who Christ is, and we know our own story of coming to him. And if we can meld one into the other and share Mm -hmm. our story and what he has done in our own lives, that is one of the most powerful tools that we have at our disposal. And to fail to use that tool, I think, frankly, is just simply succumbing to the deception of the enemy. Dr. Lee, before our time winds down, for folks that have been eavesdropping on our conversation today and say, you know, that, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of, that, that boldly proclaims the love of Jesus Christ, that stands for truth, that believes in a solid exegesis of the scripture, and that is engaged in the community and making a difference and growing right where planted. Boy, I want to find out more. Just take a moment, if you would, Dr. Lee, and give us a little bit of a snapshot of of the life and ministry and what God is doing in Northern California through Mount Calvary. Well, first of all, um, you can connect with us through our website and through social media. Um, You can find us at the same address on all platforms, mcbcfs.org that's our website that's our social media for facebook for twitter and for instagram and you can find out more information you can follow us we post things from time to time that we're doing in the community as well as things that are going on in our church and you can stay up to date as well as you can follow us even on YouTube for our worship experiences in addition to our our website. And um, you can be a part, even virtually. And hopefully, if you're in Northern California, if you're in the Bay Area, we would love for you to physically come and share with us at any of our services. Um, God continues to grow our church. We are, like many churches, um, continuing to rebuild uh, after the pandemic. And people are beginning uh, to come back to church in good numbers um, at our church physically, in addition to our uh, virtual presence. So we have hybrid services. We have hybrid Sunday school classes, and we're going to begin some uh, hybrid discipleship classes soon enough, probably in the fall. In the meantime, we'll be beginning uh, some in person. And uh, we continue to go out into the streets and witness literally under bridges, in parks, uh, in communities. We continue to, to partner with Habitat for Humanity to help build homes uh, for people um, that are receiving uh, their first homes. Uh, we continue to uh, give um, food to families every week, clothes to, to families every week. We continue to do missions in Haiti and in Ghana and in other parts across the world. We continue to partner with the Red Cross in disaster relief uh, and various uh, experiences across the country and the world. In that regard, we just uh, partnered um, with the um, the Mississippi General uh, Baptist State Convention as they helped people in Jackson, Tennessee a few months ago with their water crisis, Jackson, Mississippi, excuse me, in their water crisis. Um, so we do things like that all the time in addition to, you know, having a children's church and ministering to all ages, um, creating small groups, having dynamic worship experiences, dynamic Bible study, and a whole lot more. Um, And there's plenty of room, plenty of room for everyone to come and to be a part of what God is doing and, and to contribute. 
as well through their own uh, talents and their own prayers and their own worship. A very uh, broad and vibrant body of Christ and faith community. More information, as uh, Dr. Lee mentioned, by going online, uh, think of Mount Calvary Baptist Church, Fairfield Sassoon. That'll take you to the initials, mcbcfs.org. Services both held in person as well as online. If it's more convenient for you, uh, perhaps geographically, it's a bit of a drive. Um, again, you can certainly participate online, although we encourage you to uh, to join in fellowship. A couple of campus locations. Details, again, available on the web at mcbcfs.org. Well, our thanks, Doctor. Yes. If I may, let me also just remind everyone that we're on radio every Saturday at 11 a.m. on KDYA, 1190 a.m., The Light. And uh, we've been on the air for tw- about 25 years or so and uh, love the relationship that we have with the station. And so for those of you that uh, like to listen to the radio, we would love for you uh, to tune in any Saturday morning at 11 a.m. on 1190 a.m. And I'll put a hearty amen at the end of that. And we certainly do encourage you to tune into the radio broadcast and join in live fellowship again at Mount Calvary Baptist Church online at mcbcfs.org. Our thanks to Dr. Claiborne Lee Jr. for being with us today. Thank you so much for your time today, Pastor. Thank you so much, Craig. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.